All right. A very special episode of the Steve Laidlaw podcast. The plans have been running absolutely wild uh, over the past week. And this podcast is going to be coming to you in the very short reprieve between those play-ins and the round robin and the the actual playoffs the the top 16 teams will be decided by the time you're listening to this we're recording this uh sunday afternoon before everything's quite been settled we've still got a big game five between the columbus blue jackets and the toronto maple leafs the only game five that we got but i'm pleased to be joined by uh sb nation's kung fu canuck and chris wassell who i mean you write for just about every site on the internet almost almost <laughs> um feels like it absolutely so for, for our listeners this is the first time i've hosted a three-person pod so not to get into too much of how the sausage is made but if this sucks and we're all talking on top of each other well that's because i did a horrible job of managing the conversation so yell at me um i'll start chris uh, do you have any first impressions on bubble hockey and what's been going on? The bubble hockey has been a lot of fun to watch. Uh, at least it, it's a little bit strange in the sense that you have to get your brain mentally used to the idea of staggered start times that are actually truly staggered. Uh, look, the NHL in the past has not done the greatest job with this and that's not a secret but in this case they they've done actually a masterful job dare i say the nhl has done this well and hopefully i have not jinxed this horribly um as far as testing and all all the other older stuff but as far as the the quality on ice uh, it's been it's been fun to watch uh, to, to say the least um you're a toronto fan you're right now you're you know the, the the paddles are out, but at least you know as far as the uh, um, other teams and such, quite an experience uh, watching hockey at one thirty at night. Going, hmm, well, this game could end really, and it did. Uh, the bet that was the bet that was probably the funniest game of the night was uh, the other night with Minnesota and Vancouver. Thinking, oh, this this overtime's going to last a little bit. Let me go get a beer, and just like that, it was over. So. Yeah, you, you learn your lessons. It's 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 playoff hockey. It's still playoff hockey, guys. So it's something to keep in mind. Uh, Mr. Canuck, how about you? Uh, any first impressions from what we've seen uh, in the in the playing round? Uh, I actually thought yesterday was the weirdest day uh, of the playoffs because it was the first day we didn't have just wall to wall hockey, and I. I was really upset about that. You know, I, I think we, we've gotten used to a certain lifestyle and, and I was really upset that we had to go back to two games uh, a day, which, uh, you know, I, frankly, it's, it's just not enough. I, you know, when the playoffs first started up, it was like complete overload in a great way. You start at 12 and you basically could go until 1.30 at night, which, I mean, I don't think the NHL has ever really had. I think there's been the occasional Saturday during the regular season, but I actually thought that was the best part of it, just the sheer amount of hockey that you were able to watch. Um, I thought the hockey itself has been pretty good. I don't think it's looked too different from playoff hockey. Um, you know, the lack of fans is noticeable, but only, I think, when you're looking for it. 
know, it's not like I'm noticing the lack of fans during the game, except obviously during some big moments. Uh, you know, I was watching that uh, just heart racing Leafs uh, Blue Jackets game, and I was talking with my buddy about what it would be like if that were if there were actually fans in the building for that one. And we couldn't decide if if it was a Leafs game if that actually would have been good or bad, because <laughs> we're pretty sure if it was if uh, there were actually Leafs fans in there then you would have just felt this horrible nervous tension the whole time. Um, and maybe there would have been no comeback. So it's been different, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's been awesome to watch. I, I think the NHL has done a fantastic job with, uh, with, you know, almost every aspect of the, the on ice um, product. You guys both kind of sound like junkies. I've, I've been likening this to, kind of like at, at Thanksgiving dinner and your mom just keeps rolling out course after course after course and you, you, the gravy boat hasn't even made it around the table and you're stuffed but hey, here comes the pumpkin pie and all that stuff um yeah I I also have been enjoying uh the ever-loving hell out of it but I do think that there's a certain element to yesterday you referenced we had very few games and they were round robin games so they weren't nearly as meaningful and I think there's a certain amount of we need to be able to not get overloaded we need to have time for this stuff to breathe and catch up and build those storylines rather than it just being getting punched in the face again um you know you look at the way that the NFL they go six days without games except for like the odd Thursday and Monday night game right so you you have this time to build up that starvation and desire for the product again and i'm not looking for the nhl to go a full week without playing games it's certainly the nature of this bubble they need to speed up the process but i think that these short little reprieves that we've had have done wonders to to kind of building up the the tension going in and kind of resetting ourselves and building up the storylines again. So I wonder if this, this breakneck speed isn't, uh, isn't taking a little bit away from how awesome this could be. Yeah. I mean, it, I think if you just kept continuing at that exact speed, you probably would get overloaded. I'll admit I was even starting to get a little bit like, you know, when, if it's, if it's, um, if it's Arizona, Nashville, I was like, oh, well, this is the one I'm going to skip today. Uh, no offense, uh, as offensive as that is to both those teams. But I, I mean, I think it was great to, you know, start out of the gate like that. You're right. And I think it's probably better that it's going to be regular size playoffs from now on, you know, you're, I think your standard sort of four games a night kind of thing, but it was just, I think, with how starved we've been for hockey, it felt there was something really nice and really gratifying about it all coming uh, back that quickly, even if it was just for the first little bit. Um, but I mean, I guess not so much if you're a fan of a team like the Rangers where, you know, it all goes away in the blink of an eye. Yeah. Were the Rangers even in the bubble? Um, I have one more takeaway with what's going on in baseball it seems like bubble return to play is the only way that pro sports is going to work so you know a lot can change in four months but I don't know when the NHL is looking to come back in December are we going to need a bubble again how how is this stuff going to work I just I have this 
impression that it's going to be a long time before things can get back to normal. What do you think, Chris? Uh, there's a part of me that thinks that we may, we may need to, and there's a part of me that doesn't. Uh, the, the dilemma in this is nobody seems to know, at least uh, given certain areas like Florida, um, where I live in New Jersey, uh, tri-state area, et cetera, uh, how these quote-unquote hotspots are going to fare by, say, December, which is sort of the rumored date of when things could open. Uh, I've, heard, I've heard as soon as the first or second week of December is, is a possibility for the NHL uh, returning as far as the 2020-2021 season. Uh, problem with that is, again, like, like I said, we don't know if there's the second wave coming. Nobody seems to have any kind of idea what is going to happen um, four, four months from now. So until there's some sort of close idea right now, um, you know, it's it's pretty much something that we're in the, we're in the dark on, guys. Yeah, it's hard to look at what's happening with the MLB and see a way that the NHL is going to return for the next season not in the bubble. Uh, and, and it's also hard to see how it returned in the bubble because it's one thing to run a playoff that way. It's quite another thing to run, you know, an entire season. But you look at what's happening at the MLB and it just looks like the whole thing is collapsing in around them. So I, I, you I mean, you're right. I, it's as much as we're getting sick of this, of this phrase, it's, uh, it's unprecedented times. And, you know, I, I think, I would be lying if I said that I had any idea what the what the 2020 2021 season was going to look like at least at the start until we have a vaccine which you know hopefully we're shooting for for some time you know early next year. Now listen, you know Hotel X one thing again one thing to stay there for 2 months uh, as nice as it is quite another to stay there for for 6 months. Yeah, I have this notion that maybe the only way that you can run this thing again is if you've got rotating bubbles. So every team or every division or whatever, they take a month and they play a bunch of games in Vegas or they play a bunch of games in Vancouver or wherever they can set this stuff up. But you just think about all the hoops that they had to go through just to get it all passed to set up in Toronto and Edmonton and they weren't able to go to Vancouver, which I think was a top choice for them because of the, the local regulations there. Um, so I don't know that if that's even feasible, but also the NHL relies on having butts in the seats and that's not going to be able to happen for uh, a long time. It, it sure doesn't feel like they're going to be able to do it for next season. So I, I don't even know if there's, going to be any desire to come back until they can have butts in the seats and my, my only I don't know get out of jail free card wild card idea is you just play outdoor every game is outside um, in the daylight so that you can actually have people in the stands and have a reasonable chance of the virus not spreading because the data on virus spread outdoors seems to be very promising in that sense. So I don't know, are we going to see it again? I don't think so. So let's, let's enjoy uh, what we have while we have it. And the reason that I had you guys on, I want to preview these playoffs. So we're going to do a fantasy draft snake draft thing with uh, 
right now, as far as we know, there's 17 teams technically still in it because as we mentioned, the Leafs and the Blue Jackets are playing game five to decide who moves on to the final 16. And there's, there's three of us. So 16, 17, those numbers aren't divisible by three. So there's going to be a couple of teams that we leave out in this snake draft. But basically the idea is we're trying to pick the cup winner and we're going to, whoever picks the cup winner wins this, uh, this mini game that, uh, that we're playing here. But uh, basically it's a, it's a, it's a framework for us to preview these playoffs and kind of, demonstrate our, our confidence in each team um, so I rolled a, a die and then I flipped a coin to figure out what the draft order is going to be you know I, I thought about spinning a wheel a la the Canucks Sabres entry into the league back in uh, back in the day but uh, instead I went for the the dice roll and the the coin flip um, so Chris you got the number one pick and you'll be, because it's snake draft, you're, you'll be picking first, sixth, seventh, twelfth, and thirteenth. Mr. Kanak, I got you second, and you'll be picking uh, number two, five, eight, eleven, and fourteen. And then I'm picking third, uh, fourth, ninth, tenth, and fifteenth, which gives me the pleasure of having to kick two teams to the curb at, at the very end of this draft process. So, uh, Mr. Kanak, are you ready? Yeah, but I just want to voice my objection to to a draft. As you know, I'm very against that idea. In my opinion, you should have let the teams decide who they want to be picked by. But with that out of the way, I am absolutely ready to go. Okay, so with, you know, in, in that sense, we probably should have done this uh, auction style that would be more favorable to your line of thinking. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and it would have allowed me to use a number of uh, unfair advantages as well. So, mm. Okay, and Chris, are you ready? I'm ready to roll. Okay, well, you've got the number one pick. So uh, break our hearts by, by taking the number one team off each of our boards. Uh, I'll, 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 just, I'll just alleviate the misery for everybody and, and go with this. I'm going with the team that should have won last year. By, by all rights, just because I still can't stand the idea of St. Louis Blues winning something. Um, that, that, of course, would be the um, Boston Bruins. Now, granted, this is whenever they wake up, but this is the, this is the one team that seems to have the, the most, most complete resume of all the teams right now. Uh, they're also one of the more healthy teams go, going into this round, round of 16. And barring anything unforeseen, they pretty much have seen crazy pandemic chaos before uh, before them and would be my numero uno choice, guys. Yeah, so I think that we shouldn't read too much into what happened in the round robin. It would be foolish to disregard the absolute sizable gap that the Bruins put between themselves and the rest of the league. And while the round robin results are going to see them drop from first in the East to either third or fourth, depending on the game that's taking place right now. Um, but I also, I do see some seams in, in the Boston Bruins resume, just 
their depth doesn't seem to be coming around. In a lot of ways, they just ran teams over because their top line was so damn explosive and their top power play was so explosive. And then they just shut teams down defensively. So for me, the the swing player, and it, it kind of always is for the Bruins, is David Krejci. If they can get some secondary scoring, then they're going to be rolling right to the finals again. And if they don't, which they haven't seemed to be able to get all year, then they're eminently beatable. You know, I was just looking this up and, you know, as a, as a Leafs fan, I have to have a healthy respect for the Bruins uh, as much as I, I hate that team and their existence. The Bruins were 27th in expected goals for this year. That I mean, not exactly what you expect from a cup contender. Now they were first in expected goals against, obviously. So to Steve, to your point, yes, they absolutely shut teams down, but yeah, that top line, of course, is scary. It is, you know, probably one of the best, probably the best two-way player of the generation um, in in Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand, who, you know, has somehow emerged as one of the best players in the league. And yeah, David Pasternak, who hey, Rocket Richard Trophy this year, uh, to his credit. So you you have to respect that that line, and you have to respect that power play and their defensive play. But I agree with your point. Their depth is just not quite there. Uh, not as much as you would expect from a team that seemed to be running away with the President's Trophy. Um, I actually had them third on my list for that exact reason. Um, and also, I, I, I think that, while I don't think you should read too much into the play during the uh, round robin, it does place them in a bit harder of a position, uh, potentially, depending on, uh, on how it shakes out. Um, you know, big difference between facing a team like, let's say, the Blackhawks, if you're one of the top teams in the West, versus facing the Hurricanes. No question. So, Chris, we beat up on your Bruins pick a, a little bit. Um, you certainly you made the case for them. Uh, do you have any counter arguments to what we've been saying? I'll simply say this. Uh, Given what's happened to Tampa in the last, say, since since the bubble, um, I've I've crossed Tampa off off the list just simply because they're not healthy again. What what else is what else is new? Um, that that's that's one part. The second part is this: Boston is one of those weird teams that can turn it on and off at any time. Uh, especially Dave, the aforementioned David Krejci in, in, in the playoffs. And they did it last, they did it last year where literally, look, they were awful going into the postseason, And then magically they got this unexpected surge in middle six scoring and pretty much the only thing that kept them from winning the Stanley cup was themselves and, and the, um, you know, final game, and of course Jordan Bennington standing on his head the first 20 minutes of, of that game seven. So, uh, look, they've been there before. They've found ways to do it before, and the argument is, well, okay, there's maybe one. There's maybe one other team I would have chose um, for, from from the Western Conference, perhaps. Uh, but I have concerns about them too, only because of well. You know, I'm sure we'll we'll get into that in the beating beating them up section uh, in just a little bit. Yeah, and to be clear, 
Mr. Canuck had Boston third on his list. I had them fourth on mine. So it's not like you went outside the box. I think that there's a tier of teams. There's kind of a block that I genuinely believe can win the cup and the, and the Bruins are in it. Um, so Mr. Canuck, you're up at number two. Okay, well, with my, uh, my pick, I'm going to pick the team that I think, Chris, you might have been referring to, and that is uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, it, w- was that your team, out of curiosity? Yes, it was. Yeah, I mean, just, uh, <clears throat> you know, one of those teams, sheer dominance from, uh, from an underlying stats point of view. I, I mean, I, I was just looking. I don't think at any point in the year, uh, once it got started, were they not the, the best team in terms of uh, controlling play, controlling uh, controlling shot sharing and, and controlling the goals. This team just one of those rare gems that are amazing at both ends of the ice. And they actually have, you know, unlike maybe in 2018 when they went to the cup final, they have some very legitimate game breakers this year. You know, Mark Stone, who maybe what, one of the top five two-way players in the game right now, uh, Max Petretti, who had a great resurgent year. Riley Smith, who had a you know surprisingly quiet 27-goal season. And, uh, you know, you have to respect what they're able to do as a unit. They don't have a Marchand, a Pasternak, or, or Bergeron, but they are just solid at basically every single position. And I was a big, big fan of the Robin Leonard pickup. I think that team is going to be limited by, if anything – how quickly they're willing to switch things up if Flurry simply struggles and how willing they are to put in the guy that they acquired for basically that exact reason. Um, the one thing I'll say is I think it says a lot about the Knights that they switch coaches from Gallant to DeBoer in the middle of the year against what I would have thought was good wisdom and were somehow better after it. Yeah, the interesting thing with the Knights, they – made some drastic changes at some key spots. You referenced both the goaltending and the coaching change, and you referenced the underlying stats. One of the things I've been tracking with cup winners uh, in the cap era, every single team except for the 2018 Washington Capitals had a goals for percentage in all situations above uh, 52.5%. And Vegas sits below that. But just because of how erratic things were with Mark Andre Fleury and Net, and then Malcolm Subban just being a complete zero as their backup, you can almost write off the fact that they sit below that, that threshold because they made such significant upgrades at those positions. So even though they, they weren't in that block of teams, there were eight teams coming in above that mark and the Pittsburgh Penguins are already gone. So we're down to seven. I put them up in that top tier just because of those outstanding underlying stats and kind of just my terror of having to face Robin Lehner uh, if he happens to remain in the division for years to come. What do you think of that pick, Chris? I, I, I take it you had them high as well. Yeah, I had, the, I had them number two, uh, just, just behind Boston. My only, my, only con- my only concerns with Vegas were, was the aforementioned um, dual theory of, well, what if 
Hmm. What if Robin Lehner goes belly up at some point? And that could happen. It's it's not likely, uh, but there's 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 always there's always the possibility that Flurry comes in, doesn't play so well. Lehner comes in, the same thing. I mean, we saw. I I know again, it's the round robin. You try not to reference it, but yet there's there's this little part of me that does. I I watched a bit of the Dallas Vegas uh, round robin game, and I, I saw a few concerns. One, Vegas can be attacked down the middle. Two, John Merrill should never be in the NHL. Um, John Merrill should be in a four-by-six cell somewhere. Uh, but that's besides the point. Um, defensively, he is about as efficient as a newt. And that is the one thing that you can attack, and it's the one thing that Washington attacked two years ago, was Vegas's third pairing, which – was an absolute disaster uh, and still is it, it, not 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 much has changed from from two years ago in that sense uh, that is that is their one glare one of their glaring weaknesses um, the other I mean there really isn't much in the way of total total weaknesses and and that's the one thing that you you have to sit there and be beat up a little bit is that is that maybe you know four five and six hole uh as far as the defense for vegas but other than that it, it's they're, they're rough out they, they really are you know they remind me a lot of, of last year's blues in in sort of the way that they are constructed in the way that they're competitive you know not to say the blues didn't have sort of what you call you know great game breakers you know vlad tarasenko and 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 ryan o'reilly but more what you fear from them is just the relentless attack of them as a unit and just how, just how responsible they are defensively and, and able to bring it by committee offensively. Uh, and I, you know, does nothing to alleviate the you know, concerns that you brought up, especially in that third pairing. And I, and I do think Vegas is still also one of those teams that it's kind of like the Habs or the Hurricanes where they might, they're, they're, goal totals are probably not going to match up quite to their expected goals. Uh, but when you have it that high, I just think it doesn't matter for me. They're, they're definitely my, um, my pick here. Well, this is exciting. So I have picks three and four and the top two teams on my list still remain. Um, I'll, do, I'll pick them one at a time just so that we can break them down. But uh, my number one team was the Colorado Avalanche. I see nothing about them that doesn't say they can win the cup. I think that if you've got a question about them, it's simply, is their youth ready to step up? But we saw last year in the playoffs, their youth was ready to step up. They did deliver, uh, even though it wasn't the longest playoff run, they were able to win around and I think that they have everything at every level that they need. They run teams over at five on five and just overall, they've got a strong power play. They did it even while losing some of the most man games, especially important players like Nico Rantanen and Gabriel Landeskog and Kale McCarr for stretches this year. And they still just ran teams over. They've, 
you know, they've got superstar talent. I had Nathan McKinnon as my Hart Trophy winner this year. I think that this team is ready to deliver. And while, you know, they are the second seed in the West because they lost in overtime to Vegas, I think they've got as good a chance as anyone. They fit the statistical profile perfectly. Um, I'm very happy to take them at number three. I mean, it's hard to find things to not like about the Avalanche this year, right? What an ascendancy they've had since since that disastrous 2017 season. Um, you know, looking to your point, Steve, about, about looking at the goals for 59% this year, which is just insane um, uh, for, for, for any team, uh, let alone one with uh, sort of that much youth behind them. You know, the only question I'd have for them is, uh, is, is what is Philip Grubauer going to be in the playoffs? And, and I thought last year he was great. And it's not like a goaltender can't surprise you one way or the other. You know, we saw Jordan Binting, as, uh, as was mentioned, come out of nowhere last year. And Philip Grubauer certainly not come out of nowhere. But he also didn't have quite the season this year that he did last year. So... Honestly, that would be my only big question for them is, is what's going to happen with the goaltending. And I think if it's even as partially as good as we've come to expect for the most part, it's a solid pick. No, it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good solid pick. Um, you know, again, there, there's going to, there's going to inevitably be concerns here. Um, I'm 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 going to I'm going to save my beating up for uh, for Steve's next pick because I have a feeling I know where he may be going at number four and I'm going to see if I am actually right here. Interesting, a little self gamble. Okay, so at number four, I'm going to take the Philadelphia Flyers, and we talked about not wanting to overreact to the round robin, and I don't think that's what I'm doing here. Uh, I would take Tampa Bay if they were healthy, but we saw what happened to them last year getting swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets when Victor Hedman wasn't healthy and Victor Hedman just got hurt. So maybe if he's fully healthy, then I'm going to look like an idiot because I really do think they should be the favorites going in if they were healthy, but Stamkos is still up and down. We don't know what to expect from him. And now Victor Hedman, he's such a keystone for them. And if he's out, uh, I just have some questions. Whereas Philly, they're they're coming in hot. They were the hottest team in the second half of the season. They've got a ton of young talent. They've got a capable uh, number one goaltender in Carter Hart, which it's it's Philadelphia. Like, since when do they have a franchise goaltender? And they've got young talent up and down the lineup. They can play just about any style that you want they've got physicality but they've got speed and I don't know I'm I'm really excited to see what they can do they fit the statistical profile they hit all the benchmarks that I'm looking for you know they had over 52 and a half percent goals for percentage at at all strengths as well as at five on five they don't quite win the Corsi battle the same way that other teams do but uh yeah they're a very exciting young team and they've got some elite veteran talent as well that's that's done it in the playoffs before ah where to begin um does does the devil's fan in me like finally come out here the answer is yes um 
I, 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 will, I will simply open my rebuttal with the following word, 1975. That's it. That's all I need. There is a reason why that the Philadelphia Flyers have not won since 1975. One, obviously, is um, what Steve alluded to was uh, as far as a number one goaltender. And though Carter Hart has been really good this year, he is also still not the greatest on the road. And at some point, is the bubble going to burst for for, Phil, for Philadelphia? That that's 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 the only con, that's the one and main concern that I have of Philadelphia is when adversity hits. Is that is this team that is present presently constructed with Elaine Vigneault as your coach who adapts as about as well as a two year old in a temper tantrum? going to be able to find a way to squeeze through a round that maybe they should not win. And that's, that's the problem. I don't know that answer. And because I don't know that answer, it's why, it's why actually I had Philadelphia probably a little bit lower. I had them, I had them fifth truthfully uh, for, for reasons like that. And for, a few other things as well. Um, power, power play, obviously, not, not as good as previous years, but still not terrible. Um, it, it, it's, it's funny when you watch, watch the team in the sense, um, one of the stingiest teams when it comes to shot, shots allowed and, and chances allowed. And that, that's the one thing that may serve them well in, in these playoffs and may, it may save them uh, for, for a round or two. Uh, but as far as being a Stanley Cup pick, I, I couldn't pull the trigger on it, guys, uh, as much as I wanted to. The, the pieces are there. There's just a part of me that thinks they're, they're maybe a couple years away. Yeah, Chris, you mentioned Alain Vigneault, and that certainly gives me pause, especially going into the first-round matchup against the Montreal Canadiens, where – He's been outfoxed by Claude Julien before, and we'll see if it happens again. You know, I, I really liked it uh, for a number of reasons. Most importantly is uh, Philip Myers, who had just a great breakout season this year, uh, uh, along with, uh, with Carter Hart. And, you know, I think there are concerns about Philly uh, that are fair. I, you know, it's, it's, I think it's, it would not be unfair to say that maybe they're flying a bit higher than their talent, uh, you know, especially in these round robins. But, you know, that being said, sometimes all you need is just to get hot at the right time. And they have that great mixture of sort of veteran uh, talent in, in Giroux and Voracek. And I mean, I guess you'd call Couture a veteran at this point. And, and some great young players like Myers and Sanheim and, and Konechny. Um, so it, it's a strong pick, you know, I don't think you can go wrong with the team that won the, the round Robin in the East this year. I do think that they're going to have a tough match against Montreal who, um, you know, I think you have to give a bit of respect to, but that being said, they should win that one. Yeah. And we said the same thing about the Penguins. So that, uh, yeah, that definitely gives me pause, but, uh, Mr. Canuck, you're up at number five. Who do you got? All right, so I'm going to pull a bit of an audible here um, because I uh, I had the Tampa Bay Lightning here 
last night and then the headman injury happened. So they, I'm going to bump them down a spot and I'm going to go with the defending champion, St. Louis blues. Um, you know, they look amazing uh, for the most of this year. No Stanley cup hangover for them. The gaudy underlying numbers are not quite there this year. Um, not to the extent that they were last year uh, where they were controlling like 54% of the expected goals. They took a bit of a step back in that regard. I think they were only at something like 50 this year, but you know, to your point about the actual goals, nothing to complain about there. They were fourth. They controlled 56%. They had 56% of the goal share. They're getting Vlad Tarasenko back. They are not losing anyone. Uh, they've not lost anyone um, particularly good. Jordan Bennington had a great year. And, hey, they know how to do it. Yeah, I have absolutely no criticisms about uh, Blue's pick at this stage, especially given the the other four teams that have come off the board. Uh, you, you referenced the goals for percentage. They're above the threshold. They're in the club. I think they're a genuine Stanley Cup contender. What did you think, Chris? Uh, my only concern with, with St. Louis, and it's not, not as much as the one, one with Vegas, um, but their penalty kill was a little leaky uh, over the, the final couple months of the season before the, before the pause. And that, that does give me a tiny bit of apprehension, but really there's not much else that you can really take a fine tooth and comb to and say, oh, that's a, that's a major problem. That's a major problem. They don't really have like that major flaw that you can just sit there and point out in 0.2 seconds. Well, it sounds like you don't even need to defend this pick, uh, Mr. Canuck. So, Chris, you're up at number six and number seven. Okay, number six, as much as it, it, it pains me, we're, it's, it was alluded to already, I am going to go with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, look, I mean, this is the team that led the league in goals. No, I mean one of the more dangerous power play units in the league. Um, yes, the injury, the injuries to Steven Stamkos and Victor Hedman are are concerning and troubling. Um, but if there's one team that has shown an ability, yeah, it's it's Tampa, it's Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay can find a way, at, at least given. Um, their matchup in round one, if they can they can squeeze through that and get Stamkos and Hedman back. Look, nobody knows their status, and that's obviously the biggest risk in taking Tampa anywhere on this list. Um, we just know that they're unfit to play. God, I hate using that buzz buzz phrase, but unfortunately, it, it's there. So, uh, I mean, from I don't look at them for as much from an advanced stats point as, as much of a concern. I, I do think that they did learn their lessons from last year, at least enough. It's just now a question of, do they get those two guys back? They get those two guys back. They're, they're instant favorites. And my number six pick looks like a genius. Uh, if they don't, 
it looks like a complete dolt of a pick and I'm dead in the water. Yeah, you said it. I think that the lightning, depending on what shakes out with those injuries, you could look like the smartest guy in the room here because they, they would be my number one team. I think that, like you mentioned, they learned from last year. They did a lot of work early in the season and it was hard work. They struggled early on, but they really tried to adapt and play a different style. And then they brought in guys like Barkley Goodrow and Blake Coleman, who I'm infatuated with the way that those guys play the game of hockey. They bring speed, they bring tenacity. It's fantastic. So I think that that was an exceptional pick. Yeah, I, I, I can't help but feel that I'm going to be kicking myself uh, for, for bumping them down, even with those injuries. I mean, I'm just trying to think, have we seen a forward core with this just sheer level of talent top to bottom, you know, that top line of, of point uh, Kucherov and Stamkos. And then your next line is, is, a, you know, potentially two Selkie candidates, uh, just a absolute juggernaut. They somehow, they look in some ways even better than they did last year. Um, it's just the only thing that concerns me is no Stamkos, no Hedman, and they're going to be either facing a team that can match them in firepower, maybe one of the few in the league that can, um, or the team that stymied them last year. And listen, there's no Panarin on Columbus this year, but I can tell you firsthand, they know how to, they know how to stymie a, uh, an offensively gifted team. So I just, like you said, without those two injuries, they would have been my top pick uh, very easily. Um, but with those injuries, well, Chris, I think you're going to have a pretty good, pretty good value on here. Okay, so Chris, you've also got the number seven pick. So who do you got? Uh, the seventh, I had to call an audible here because as much as it pains me, I, 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 I love, I love the team that I was going to have much higher on this list, and I had to sack them because of what, what I saw the last few weeks of the regular season, and then in this round robin where they looked like absolute for a lack of a better term guys horse poop so you know the team that i am was referring to of thinking of putting here um that that being said we, we we're taking we're taking a reach of reaches at number seven and we're going with the carolina hurricanes yeah, yes kids we, we, we've gone off the reservation a little bit uh just because look let, let's be honest here Carolina, which not only did me an immense favor and every Devils fan from here and to eternity by eliminating the Rangers, not only in three games, but eliminating the way that they did and making us all happy is the one team in the East, especially if Dougie Hamilton comes back, is the one I do not want to face in, in the playoffs at this point, especially if James Reimer is starting as opposed to Peter Morazic, that's going to be the one potential Achilles heel in the Rod Brindamore plan here. Uh, Brindamore does have a tendency to go at Mar uh, has the tendency to go at Morazic as a starter. I think Reimer is personally the guy at this point that you you take the take the run with, uh, much like with Columbus and Merzlikens for better or for worse. Um, but this is a Carolina team that control, controls shot share ridiculously well. They control five on five. I saw it against the Rangers time and time again, where they absolutely smothered the Rangers anytime they wanted to. 
uh, at will. They have one of the best penalty kills in the league at around 84%. Their power play is improved. And it's the first time I can remember that their power play had some oomph to it. And look, Andre Svechnikov is going to grow in leaps and bounds, but he already has, which is scary. Uh, beyond belief that top that top line is a lot better than than people realize and a lot of teams are going to realize this too late yeah you you pick the seventh team on my list carolina is that's the end of my i genuinely believe this team can win the cup tier i don't think like I, I'm, I'm going to be making three more picks, but I don't believe in any of them. I've got a big bet on the Hurricanes from before the season even began at 30 to one for them to win the cup. And the only concern that I had for them in these playoffs was they lost to the Rangers every single game that they played them. And they looked out of sorts against the Rangers in the regular season. It looked like whatever discombobulated hockey fire wagon hockey that the Rangers were playing worked for them against Carolina and they weren't the Hurricanes weren't able to snuff them out in the regular season but then they went and did it in three straight games and just looked absolutely dominant they've got the statistical profile of a championship contender they've got the stars they've got Dougie Hamilton back which is just going to make them that much more explosive they are a genuine contender and they're going to be a nightmare matchup for whomever moves on and the reality is they're probably going to be facing Washington depending on what happens with this final round robin game between Boston and Washington and I don't know we'll get to Washington at some point but I don't really believe in that team so I would have the Hurricanes as favorites uh, over Washington in that series. There's a reason that I had uh, Boston a little bit lower and it was because of the potential for them to face the Hurricanes. Um, you know, you have to respect what that team's able to give uh, and bring offensively. Um, just Teravainen, Aho, Svechnikov, you know, what a, what a treat to watch sometimes. And, you know, if you, get a, if you get a healthy Hamilton back, in my opinion, one of the best defensemen in the league, and my boy James Reimer, if he can get it done, you know, I, I just love that it, it, from my point of view, it's such an easy team to cheer for. They do so many things that I love. And how can you not love James Reimer and Jake Gardner if you're a Leafs fan, unless you're a, a Boomer Leafs fan? The only concern with the Hurricanes of 2019-20 is they're not quite the defensive team uh, that they were the year before. Uh, they're actually a little bit below average defensively. And that actually, and that was a uh, pretty bad as the year went on. The last twenty-five games, they were bottom five, bottom six in terms of expected goals against, and they were actually uh, second worst in terms of goals against. Some of that is just the save percentage. Some of that is the injuries on defense. But it's not like they were amazing for the entire year. So if I had a concern, it would just be that they might end up in a bit of a fire wagon hockey type scenario, which. Listen, it's not like it's the end of the world if you're just going up and down the ice, but they don't have quite that same control uh, of the game that they did last year when they went to on that run to the conference finals. So, but I, I agree that we're, we're sort of, they're the last of my legitimate contenders here. I had them at seven as well. Well, Chris, it sounds like you made 
the correct audible and scoop the hurricanes from Mr. Canuck and myself. So I don't think you have to defend that pick any further. Uh, Mr. Canuck up at number eight. Well, I'm going to do something that I'm going to regret and I'm going to switch my, my eight and nine. Uh, and, and that's just because I have to give a little bit of, of good karma to my hometown team. So I'm going to go with the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, for my next pick. Um, I know that they're not even technically in the playoffs yet, so it's a very risky pick. But I, I feel the need to to advocate for my team. Um, there's a lot of narratives that go on about the Leafs. Uh, a lot of them are fair. The one thing I want to point out is that they are not quite the same team under Keefe that they were under Babcock. Uh, since Keefe took over, they are fifth in expected goal percentage. Um, one of the top offensive teams in the league, better defensively than you might expect. I know that it's common to say they don't have the horse back there and that's perfectly legitimate, but a big problem this year was Freddie Anderson and Michael Hutchinson just not being able to save the puck. And hey, Freddie Anderson looks pretty dialed in in these playoffs. And I mean, the one thing about the Leafs, they've shown that they can blow a lead uh, but I think last or last game, they show that they have a little bit of that resiliency that you, you know, you need for a playoff team. So if they can get past Columbus uh, tonight and they face the, and you know, they're facing a beat up Tampa Bay team, I think I got to like their chances, you know, $40 million top line. At least it's going to get you a couple of goals. Yeah, I think that the simple fact that we're coming into this draft without knowing the result of Game 5 puts this pick into a questionable territory just because we know that even though the Leafs maybe should be favored against the Blue Jackets, every like any hockey game is going to be a weighted coin flip. And we've seen the Leafs uh, fail to come up big in Game 7s before, so will they have learned from those lessons of the past and will they have the medal to get over the hump uh, is in question for me, but otherwise you made a solid case. They certainly would be the number eight team if we knew that they were going to win game five. Uh, Chris, do you have any questions about that Leafs pick? Oh, maybe just a few. Um, but the, the simplest one is there is one major difference um, tonight coming in uh just announced about 45 to 50 minutes ago uh zach Wierenski is playing tonight if you remember one of the key parts of the comeback the other night was the fact that Wierenski was not playing at the time of said comeback hmm this could be interesting uh, that that's one too. Just to get a out of the side from will they survive after such and such? Um, Toronto again defensively. It reminds me of the game Hungry Hungry Hippos, where it's either all or nothing with Toronto, and the nothing scares me more than the all with them at this juncture. And maybe in time that that will that will change, but. Anything in a clinching game scenario with Frederick Anderson and that frightened the ever living Dickens out of me. Um, and I'll leave it at that. 
Yeah, this definitely was more of a uh, of a pick with your heart kind of thing for me. But um, you know, I might end up regretting this one even as soon as uh, as ten hours from now. But you know, I, I just go for sent some good vibes to my hometown team here. Yeah. Toronto was right up there on my list as well. And that leaves me at number nine, picking a team that I don't even believe in, but just they've done it before and the statistical profile is there. So I guess I'm going to take the Washington Capitals. I have so little faith that this team actually has the defensive chops. I have so little faith in Braden Holtby, although I don't think he's as bad as his declining numbers indicate. I think that this team is just that bad defensively, but they have the horses to just outscore you. And they play a brand of hockey that love it or hate it is kind of built for the playoffs, just in terms of how they physically try to overpower you. And Tom Wilson is the lightning rod for that uh, brand of hockey. So I'm taking the Washington Capitals kind of begrudgingly here. I get it. There, There's a potential that this team could go deeper than expected. Hope he has the playoff pedigree, uh, even aside from the, you know, the Stanley Cup run. Uh, Hope he is a goalie that has produced impressive stats on – look, I, I still remember the seven-game series with the Rangers where I thought he – personally outplayed Henrik Lundqvist and there was just one or two bounces that did not go Washington's way by all rights they should have won um, won, won that series uh, that that being said the question mark not knowing if John Carlson's even going to play first and foremost is is a huge one and then second is the defensive concerns there's just too many of them to say that Washington would even be a contender at this point. Yeah, I I had the Capitals uh, kind of low. I they I actually had another team ahead of them here. Um, they just they don't have the stat the statistical profile for me. You know they they just don't control the game enough for my liking. That being said, they've got the game breakers, and sometimes what else do you need, right? Let's be honest, they didn't have the statistical profile when they won either. They were legitimately a bottom 10 team in most, you know, game, in most play driving stats, and they won the Stanley Cup. So my big concern is the ones that have already been expressed. Braden Holpe just woof this year, uh, not having a good one going into free agency. Uh, Evolving Wild has him as uh, almost 13 goals uh, saved below expectation. Uh, so if that's the guy they're going with the net, anything can happen in the playoffs, but I think that's a, you know, pretty scary proposition for me, especially for a team that, you know, it's not like they can make up for that defensively. Yeah. And I think if they had Ilya Samsonov available to them, they might've been higher up on everyone's list because he was a better goaltender than Braden Holtby probably is at this stage. And maybe he's uh, a game breaker in net that could take their defense over the hump, but he's not available. So I'm kind of relying on Holtby. And like I said, uh, begrudgingly made that pick. They, they just, they fit the statistical profile, whether or not it'll actually come true is, uh, is another thing. Um, at number 10, 
I'm waffling between Vancouver and Calgary here. And it's mostly just because I don't know who's going to end up playing the Dallas Stars. Um, it's more likely that Dallas loses to St. Louis in this final round robin game and they end up uh, playing Vancouver. So I'm going to take Vancouver. I think that, you know, we talk about game breakers and they have one at every single level. So while the depth on this team is about as miserable as any team in the league, frankly, uh, they have the superstar talent to outscore their problems. And we just watched Jacob Markstrom absolutely dominate a series. We watched him dominate for much of the regular season uh, before he got hurt. He was arguably the best goaltender in the league this year, uh, just because the Canucks allowed an obscene number of high danger chances against him. And he performed well, uh, especially you look at clear sight analytics and he was right up there with Connor Hellebuck in terms of goaltenders who carried a significant load for their team. So he's healthy. You know, when you've got those game breakers, you can go on a run, especially if your game breaker is in goal and they, they have it at every level. So, and they did outscore their problems this year. So they are one of the more top teams in this league uh, of the teams that remain. You know, Elias Pedersen, uh, arguably one of, already one of the best players uh, in the league, at least at forward. Um, and, you know, as you said, Jacob Markstrom had a great year. I worry about everything after that. I, I know Quinn Hughes, you know, also had a, an amazing, uh, you know, potentially Calder-worthy season. I just, the, the team itself, there's just so much not there for me um, in terms of play driving, in terms of the depth down the roster, um, in terms of the depth really in that, um, really in that bottom six. I, you know, they'll go as far as the hot goalie can take them and they are going to be facing, um, you know, a relatively lower seated, you know, by team. But again, this is also going to be their first playoff experience for this young core. Um, not all of them, obviously, but you know, the, the big drivers here. So we'll see what they can do, but I'm not quite as high on them as, as I think you are. Yeah. The, the, it's kind of the same for me. It's where it's like, well, yeah, Vancouver, it's nice, but I probably would have put someone else uh, here, here, to be honest. Uh, there's just too, there's just too many silly concerns that I, I, I keep having with this team. And one of them is they just give up an inordinate amount of shots. I mean, it's, you know, it's not, it's not late season Florida Panthers like, but it's damn well close. And that's not something that comforts me very, very much at all. Yeah, well, you guys are going to have the chance to show me who you would have picked ahead of the Canucks. Like I said, if I knew that Calgary was facing Dallas, then I would have picked Calgary. But uh, I'm going with the Canucks and their their elite talent at the high end of the roster. So, Mr. Canuck, you're up here at number eleven. All right, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the team that that you've uh, spent the last uh, couple minutes crapping on. Um, the, the team that has not won a game since February. And I'm going to go with the Dallas Stars. Uh, they do not seem like they're able to score as much as you want them to. And it uh, doesn't even look like they're able to defend quite as much as you want them to. But 
one of the better defensive teams in the league, um, which who would have said that during that 2015-16 Stars season. Um, they've got legitimate game breakers, uh, you know, people you have to have a lot of respect for. Jamie Benn, Tyler Sagan, Rupe Hintz had a great breakout season, Radulov. Uh, they've got two great defensemen in John Klingberg and Mir Heiskanen. And they've got, in my opinion, one of the more underrated goalies in the league in Ben Bishop, who's just quietly carried them during his two seasons there. I mean, remember, this is a team who kind of out of nowhere pushed the Stanley Cup champions to within a goal of elimination last year. And as much as they struggled, they ended up in one of those top four seeds for a reason. So, yes, there's reasons to be worried. And, yes, they're in my second tier. But I'm going to go with the Stars on this one. I also, again, I don't have as much respect for the, uh, the Flames or the Canucks as, uh, as you seem to. So. Yeah, I cannot back this Stars team. They were underwater at 5-on-5 five five by both goals four and Corsi four. And while stifling defensive hockey, it can certainly work for you, especially you mentioned their, their goalie tandem is one of the best in the league, but their Stars are not playing like Stars. Tyler Sagan was their most efficient scorer at 5-on-5. Five five. He scored 1.51 points per 60. That's like third line level and everyone wants more minutes for guys like Gurianov and Rupa Hintz but those guys are just they they're purely rush scorers they just they're good at that rope-a-dope hockey which is some of what Dallas is doing this year but you don't give those guys all the minutes they're they're situational they'll you know they'll pack it in and then break out with speed and, and generate some really exciting rush chances and we saw rope-a-dope hockey can work the Arizona Coyotes basically used that to oust the Nashville Predators but against elite teams you you pack it in and they're just gonna batter you to death so I don't think the Dallas can outscore their problems they 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 were barely above water in terms of overall goals for percentage they they really stick out like a sore thumb among the teams that got the buy in the west they're a clear target for anyone looking to to pull off an upset out of the play-in round i was so high on this dallas stars team too about in february i really was they had everything you could ask for and we we've mentioned it here where they literally were one bounce away from beating st louis and i thought honestly they were the they were the better team in that series um, more than st louis was and the fall that they've had has been nothing short of cataclysmic, uh, to, to say the least. Uh, it, it's like the switch is still on off, and I, I just don't know if they can turn, turn it on in time to be that Stanley Cup contender that they looked like last year. It, it's that simple, guys. As I said, reasons for worry, uh, to be sure, but I, I think that if there's – if there is a team that can surprise us with uh, with turning it back on, I, I do give some some I put some faith in this team to be able to do it just with the guys they have, even with how much they've struggled. Who knows? Maybe we'll see playoff Joel Pavelski instead of regular season Joe Pavelski. Yeah, they've got so many names. It just ah, I they'll they'll just they'll make me eat my words if they can turn it on because they do have the names. Uh, Chris, you are up at number twelve. Okay, we're, we're, we're taking two just 
again, since these are pretty much teams that we don't believe are going to anyway, uh, let's take a, let's take some flyers here uh, while, while we can. Uh, number twelve. Why the heck not the Chicago Blackhawks? Everything says that they should not even be. They shouldn't have been in the playoffs. Everything says that they they don't belong. And you know what? Ultimately, they may not. But God, are they fun to watch? And, and geez, it's it's like watching like berserker hockey. It 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 really is, and it's enjoyable. It's crazy. I mean, Patrick Kane, he can get a goal scored on. He can get a you know he can score a goal. And that that one is just is just pure fun. Um, you know, you're going to see teams pick on them a lot. And and right and rightfully so, um, the team basically, you know, is going to ride on the shoulders of, of Corey Crawford as well, um, for for obvious reasons. Because look, they they gave up over thirty six shots per sixty during during the regular season, way way more often than almost every single team in the league, um, and. You know, the obvious questions. Can Jonathan Taze play like 2010 Jonathan Taze throughout the rest of the playoffs? It's a valid question. Uh, again, can that, that can the Chicago top six hold up against a team other than, say, the worst home team in the history of life in the Edmonton Oilers? And, you know, nobody knows. But the one thing that we do know is they're entertaining to watch, and the longer they stay in these playoffs – the more fun it will be. Chris, did you pick that one just to hurt Steve's feelings or? Oh, no, 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 no. 13 is more of a, you know, hurt, hurt, hurts Canada feeling. So. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I, I love this pick because I had Chicago as my last team. I, I They were not even going to be picked by me. Um and, and, and that's probably a little unfair to, to both their offensive talent and, uh, you know, as, as cliche as it is to say, what we've seen them been able to do. Um, I just, I'm looking at them. In last year, they were the worst defensive team in the league uh, by, by expected goals against. Uh, this year, they were even worse than that. Uh, they put up a bottom 10 defensive season uh, by that metric in the advanced stats era, uh, just fire wagon hockey. I mean, they are essentially, they're all Patrick Kane, right? Just, they can bring it offensively. You never know, but they could give it all back. And I guess that works against a team that basically does the same thing. I'm not sure. I, I can just see them getting their teeth kicked right in by, by Colorado, uh, who I think they're playing, right? I think I have that right. No, they're playing Vegas. They're playing Vegas. Vegas. Oh, even even better. Uh, yeah, I, I could see. I could see. Right, of course, because it's the it's the the Robin Leonard homecoming. Yeah, that's the, that's the only concern I have is you know we hope that Flurry stays in net as long as possible because Chicago had some success against Flurry, um, of a relatively recent note. But again, at this point, it's just. Here, take a flyer, go with it. Yeah, it's the same case as the Canucks case, although you could argue that with Chicago, they roll three lines that are just all-out offense. The dock line. Exactly. They don't even bother to 
roll out a defensive minded line that I don't think that exists. They try with David Camp, but uh, I, I don't think that's <laughs> they're getting what that they they think that they're getting out of that. And maybe similar to to the Canucks in that they're probably not getting what they think that they're getting out of Brandon Sutter. So uh, I'm I'm with you like Corey Crawford. He was an absolute nightmare for me coming into the play in round and he fully delivered on what I thought that nightmare was. They still have some of those championship bones. You saw them beat the crap out of Edmonton's defense and made them look kind of silly in, you know, getting what looked like some pretty cheap goals, but it was just traffic in front of the net that the Oilers could not contain. And it was, it was one of the most fun series in the play in round and certainly against a team with a a little more structure, maybe they'll struggle, but uh, yeah, I'm with you. They've got the championship bones and they will try to outscore their problems. And they've got a goaltender that, that can carry them through a series. Um, Okay. So Chris, you're up at 13 and this is your last pick. So after you make this, you basically become the peanut gallery. Um, I'm curious to see which way you go because this is uh, this is your last crack at it. Yeah, this is this is the true la- last of 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 the last. Um, I went back and forth between two teams on this, and it 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 it, it hurts and pains me to even do this. But unfortunately, because well, I like chaos and I want more of it. <sighs> God help me. I went with the Arizona Coyotes at 13. <laughs> Every ounce of my being wanted to go with the Columbus Blue Jacks for total chaos, but after I saw that, um, unfortunately, Elvis Merz Lickens is out tonight due to an injury, uh, I, I couldn't do it. I, I just couldn't pull, put, I couldn't pull the trigger. Now, of course, Arizona has the obvious concern. Well, if God forbid... Uh, Darcy Cumberton goes down to injury again, then they're down to the third string goalie because anti Runtek can never stay healthy in a month of Sunday scorpion infestations or uh, orange grove mishaps. Insert whatever crazy malady you can come up with him that actually sticks. That being said, Arizona is just one of those weird teams that could catch fire at the right time. They, they really are. Nothing says it in their underlying numbers, however. But, again, it's the old adage, a hot goaltender can serve you well in the playoffs. We've seen it so many times before. Patrick Waugh, Patrick Waugh, Patrick Waugh. Okay, obviously, Darcy Kumper is no Patrick Waugh, but this is a goalie that had a 2.22 goals against and a 9.28 save percentage and a 5-on-5 save percentage that was excellent all season and has been very good in Arizona uh, in, his, in his tenure there. If there is any team that could maybe pull this off from the absolute bottom, it may just be Arizona. Oh, oh by the way, they have Taylor Hall. I'm just saying. Now that, now that Taylor Hall doesn't have to worry about the number one draft pick, maybe he'll play better. And, and of course, they have... You know, Clayton Keller, which had sort of a resurgence in, in this playing play round that people might have not noticed just because Phil Kessel played so well in, in, in the playing round against Nashville. I love this pick. I would love it even more if they didn't have such a gauntlet 
to go through to potentially make it to the finals, right? Like they're, they're staring down Colorado, which was the number one team on my list. So that's going to be tough. And then if they win, they're probably looking at Vegas. And then if they win, they're probably looking at St. Louis. So it's just like, all right, I, it's really tough to get behind the gauntlet that they're going to have to go through. But at the same time, I like their profile so much more than the Dallas Stars because their top players actually score. Like they're they're playing the same pack it in rope a dope defensive stingy hockey. Darcy Kemper anti Ranta is probably as good as Ben Bishop Anton Hudobin in net. They don't quite have the horses on the blue line, but they're still very good there. And then their top guys actually score like Taylor Hall actually scored like a first line player this season. Hell, Carl Soderberg was more efficient at scoring at five on five than Tyler Sagan was this season. So they've got the king of the rope-a-dope in Michael Grabner, who we saw. He, you know, you think you've got them hemmed in, and then all of a sudden Grabner's going in on a breakaway and you're cooked. And he does it both at five on five and on the penalty kill. They've got some intriguing game breakers like Connor Garland. Phil Kessel apparently hurt all year. So that maybe explains a little bit of why he had such a miserable season. He's healthy. I like this team. I, right before they made the Taylor Hall trade, they were 25 to one to win the cup. I put a little, little, little spice on that. And, you know, their, their odds were probably higher than that coming into these playoffs. So maybe I should have doubled down, but, uh, just the gauntlet scares me off of that, but I, I like having a little taste of that team and I'm a little bit jealous of Chris having made this pick. Yeah. I, I just want to explain my laugh. It, it's not at Chris for picking them because I, I actually think your arguments are good. It's just what a ridiculous uh, season this team has had. Um, personally, I'm, I'm curious to know uh, what Steve Sullivan is going to be able to do uh, during the playoffs. Uh, and I mean that literally like what is his day-to-day job going to be? Um, you have to, you have to love the goaltending on the team. I mean, two of the better goaltenders in the league this year and, you know, they have, they do have the game breakers. I'm not sure I would call them game breakers in the way that I would call like Elias Peterson, a game breaker. They've got these like collection of second tier game breakers, but definitely a guy who can put the puck in the net unexpectedly. The defense core really scares me. Uh, you know, Ekman Larson has taken a number of steps back in the last few years. And the only guy I'm really loving back there is, uh, is Jacob Trickerin, who's, who's really turned into a nice defensive piece. Um, you know, I think the biggest knock against them is, as you said, it's the gauntlet. You know, are they a team that you could squint and see riding a, a hot goaltender and a, and a surprise goal to, to a series win? Maybe. Could they do that three times against Colorado, Vegas, St. Louis, uh, you know, potentially? I, I mean, you know, listen, we're, we're at the bottom of the, we're at the bottom of the picks anyway. So it's, it's definitely not a bad one, Chris. Exactly. You just have to take total shots in the dark here at, at this point. All right, so that uh, that brings you up uh, at fourteen, Mr. Canuck. This is your last pick, so let's see uh, let's see who you're going to grab and what uh, what kind of scraps you're going to leave me with. 
Chris, I was really hoping you'd make this easy on me by taking uh, by taking one of the two teams I'm struggling with here, but I'm going to have to go with the Habs. Um, I don't have any particular respect for this team except for the fact that they are surprisingly one of the best teams in the league at controlling play, and they have been for a while. And we just saw them kind of dismantle the Penguins. I mean, I, I'm not sure I would call three one-goal wins dismantling, but they really stymied them, especially in that last game. And I do think the the narrative of Carey Price as this boogeyman has been oversold in the last few years. Uh, but the playoffs are weird. We just saw him lead the league, lead the league in the playoff round and the play-in round in goals saved above expected. And listen, a team with that much uh, who can control play that way, who has a couple of guys who can are sneaky good at offense, just a couple. You know, I could see them doing something more so than the Flames, who I just. They just seem too discombobulated for me. They not to give too much away, but they were they were the team I was really struggling between them and the Habs with. I'm so excited that you left me the Flames. They did. We're kind of spoiling the last pick, but I was waffling between them and the Canucks at what number ten. So I'm definitely right. going to be taking them at fifteen. But uh, in terms of Montreal, I I see the case for them. Certainly, they control play very well as you indicated and if price is on his game then we know what a excellent goaltender can do for you and i'm curious to see if what we are seeing out of yesperi kotkaniemi and suzuki is for real or not because the real concern for montreal is that while they control shot share they just don't have the scorers that really get it done for you. And as excellent as Philippe Deneau is as a play driving center, he's not a score driving center. So if one of those two youngsters can step up and provide offense for this team, suddenly they look like a team that's better than what their scoring numbers would have indicated. I don't know how you feel about that, Chris. Yeah, this, one, this one's rough. Um, the team that I actually te- I actually teetered a little bit with Arizona oddly was a team that was on the other complete utter uh, end of the spectrum as far as um, offensive defensive flow and that was the Columbus Blue Jackets um, but obviously you know the concerns of them not having uh, Merzlikens in the lineup tonight um, even though yes Rensky is back in which is significant but, you know, again, the concerns of, you know, not having arguably your best goaltender, uh, just too, too much. Uh, that, that being said, I mean, it, it's, rough, it's rough when you're getting down to 14 and 15, and it's just, uh, I'll just simply say this, no. <laughs> simply, no. <laughs> Listen, I hope not. I am not cheering for that. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't do it. Uh, look, Claude Julien can suck the life out of a frick. Look, it's like Mike Babcock in the 2014 Olympics. Okay, it's sou- it soured me probably with NHL players forever in the Olympics because I had to watch that atrocity and cover it. Um, may, may we all pray to God that the next Olympics are never. You never see a team Canada that is that god awful. 
I'm not even going to say the B word, guys. I'm not going to say it, but it just was that bad. Well, just I'm, on the front of the Olympics, don't ever play Olympics on international sized ice because that's why they played that style. It allows you to just control the puck and stay on the outside and slow things down and play two one hockey. That's if you if you want to play a faster game, if you want a more exciting game, then make the ice smaller. That's that's my argument. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, it wasn't that much fun to watch the Harlem Globetrotters win the gold medal, uh, even if even if we were cheering for Canada. I'm just going to say you guys are all disrespecting noted game breaker Jeff Petrie, uh, he of the two game winning goals. In the <laughs> so. uh, yeah, the immortal Jeff Petrie. I'm surprised you didn't indicate Shea Weber as a mesh breaker. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, well, we, we, we all have to respect the Shea Weber shots uh, for the uh, 800 times it comes on each power play. And high and wide. <laughs> okay, so that brings me up at number 15, the last pick here. And I'm not going to take Columbus. Too much is in doubt with them playing a game five against the Leafs tonight. Uh, so I, I'm taking the Flames. And their season-long statistical profile is awful. But they were just – they were terrible – under Bill Peters and they were underwater by just about every metric uh, under him. But if you just look at their time under Jeff Ward, which, which can be a bit complicated, right? You want that larger sample size, but under Jeff Ward, they had a positive goals for percentage. They had a positive Corsi for percentage. They were a legitimate playoff team under Jeff Ward. And this is still largely the same team that, was first place in the West a year ago. And I mean, they got run out of the rink by Colorado in their dynamic speed game, but they're not looking at facing a Colorado type team just yet. Instead, they're looking at, at slower teams like the blues or the stars. And I've referenced it plenty. Like the stars are the much more favorable matchup here, but they can, play that that physical hockey uh, against either of those teams. They've got big horses like Bennett and Lucic and most importantly, Matthew Kachuk up and down the lineup. And the, the only question with the Flames, I guess, is they're, they're almost at a crossroads where they've got to decide if there's a limited ceiling on a team with Johnny Gaudreau as their franchise player. So if they don't go far, they're getting to the point where maybe they blow this thing up because we're, we're counting down months now towards Goudreau's free agency, not years. So the, the, the time to trade him is going to be before next year's trade deadline. If they want to maximize value, if they think there's a ceiling on what they could be and this year's playoffs may be what determines for them, whether they have enough of a ceiling or not. And I'm intrigued to see what they can do because I think that they are better than what their statistical profile would indicate. It's it's interesting, but again, we're still waiting to see uh, Johnny Gaudreau make an appearance uh, at some point. Um, 
two two of the main reasons why I don't think Calgary will go very far is one, you know, can't I I can't see anything changing there, and two, it, it comes down to goaltending. I just don't have the faith in Calgary's goaltending uh, at all, and you, you have to have that um, with any of these bottom picks to buoy them any hope or entertain any notion of them advancing deep, let alone winning a Stanley Cup. That, that, that was the reason why I ultimately uh, picked Montreal instead of Calgary is I just don't know how much I trust Dave Riddich and Cam Talbot. Um, I, I do think that Calgary is one of those teams that's probably a little better uh, sort of five on five that we, than we may think, uh, even though they, they took a big step backwards this year. Um, and we saw them handle the worst five-on-five team in the league by a country mile uh, in the play-in round, um, albeit you know without Mark Shifley and, and Patrick Laine. Um, but I just – it's hard for me to see. I, I'm more interested, Steve, in, in, as you said, them moving forward. You know, if we assume that they don't win this year, uh, which I think, you know, given where we're picking them as a fair bet, I am very curious to see what happens because – I think I could see them doing a bit more of a reset. You know, you're right, trade Johnny Goudreau. Um, they're losing about half their defense core, uh, you know, to uh, just in terms of big contracts to, to free agency this year. So, you know, you're talking about building a core around Elias Lindholm and, uh, and Matt Kachuk and, and, of course, Milan Lucic. Yeah, Milan Lucic is going to be there until the sun burns out, which I don't know if that's a bad pun or not, given the Flames. But uh, you guys slagged on the Flames goaltending, and I would just say that Cam Talbot had a fantastic bounce-back season, and he was a series stealer for the Oilers in 2017. And that feels like decades ago, but it, it really wasn't that long ago so I think that he can do it for them as long as they actually put the faith in him and continue to roll with him in net I think he was more consistent than Riddick so I don't have quite the questions in goal uh with with Talbot yeah we have seen it from him before um I mean just not in a while so okay so that uh that rounds out our picks and we left the Columbus blue jackets off. I think mostly we're all just concerned about them having to play a game five just to get in, but we didn't even mention the New York Islanders. Like they didn't even come up once. And I think that's like perfect for this Islanders team identity. They are so much the we get no respect team. I think that plays exactly into who they want to be. They don't want anyone talking about them. They just want to do their thing and suck the life out of games and eco wins and, and be completely frustrating to play against. Um, did you guys even consider them? I, I did consider them because I do think they, they can play a style that's absolutely stifling. I just don't think it's something that's uh, sustainable and given given the matchups going forward I mean about the only one that would appeal to them is playing Washington that's the one team that they could probably you know uh, beat maybe to see a Toronto matchup would have been extremely intriguing for obvious reasons but that's not going to happen so 
Um, other than that, I just couldn't see them advancing very far at all. And if, if you think I'm going to trust Semyon Varlamov at this, at this juncture, I, I can't do it. I just can't. I didn't pick the Islanders because I'm trying to give them bulletin board material. Uh, they, they, I'm, I'm secretly pulling for them. Uh, I don't believe in, in you guys at all, guys. You heard it here first on the Steve Laidlaw podcast. I, I just, yeah, everything about the Islanders always screams unsustainable to me. Um, last year, they had that weird dichotomy between being really, like, fairly underwater in terms of possession, but just barely about break even in terms of expected goals. And this year they're underwater in both. And, you know, they do play that, that rope is that rope dope style, um, that, you know, sort of extra Columbus blue jackets style. But yeah, I just, I, I don't see it with them. I don't think that there's enough talent on that roster. I think that there's some very nice pieces on the roster. A lot of respect for, uh, for, for Ryan Pollock and, and Devontae's. Um, but and at forward, you know, you have some some guys who can put the puck in the net. But overall, I'm just I've not been impressed by their body of work. Uh, I know they handled a Florida Panthers team that was similarly unimpressive. Um, but hey, listen, we, we're we're playing right into their hands, aren't we? I made a spreadsheet looking at all all the stats that I kind of look at for. Uh, whether or not I believe in a team and for the Islanders, it's just red. It's all just red. They suck at every single thing. And yet they somehow put together uh, enough of a record to uh, be a playoff team. And I think that the way the season was trending for them, they wouldn't have been a playoff team if we would have played the the last 12 or so games of the regular season. They It was all kind of falling apart for them. And if not for maybe the cushiest matchup in the play-in round against a Florida Panthers team that has no defense, has no structure, and, I don't know, just, just a, a bad team, like a, a, a distinctly flawed team that matched up well for the Islanders. If not for that, I don't think they, they would have made it through. I don't know. I, again, that's all feeding into to kind of what they want. So, um, yeah, they're, they're one of our two – quote unquote irrelevant teams there if they win the cup then we all lose and I think that would be uh, a hilarious outcome but uh, yeah I I don't see it happening. Steve are you forgetting that they they pumped a noted Vesna winner Sergei Bobrovsky uh, in four games I, I mean that's a that's an offensive juggernaut. Yeah officer Bobrovsky was scarcely on his beat uh, at all this season I don't think he had any chance of being good behind that Florida Panthers defense. Yeah, it, it, it got ugly for sure. Uh, so guys, that was one hell of a lot of fun. Thank you so much for coming on and breaking these things down. Um, just to kind of wrap things up, do you have any regrets about any of the picks that you made? For once, I have no regrets with this. I mean, I, I was I was able to, you know, take the safe, you know, relatively quote unquote safe pick at one, and then go down down the line and get some value along the way. 
uh, while taking some risks too. And that's kind of the name of the game with, with, with uh, playoff hockey is you just get that, you get that hot team and they, they take, they take a run. So, you know, you, you take your, you take your top tier pick and then you go, go, go from there. I'm a hundred percent sure I'm going to be regretting either my stars or Leafs pick badly. Uh, but, uh, I ended up getting my number one team in Vegas and, uh, took a risk on St. Louis, you know, that Victor had an injury kind of threw me for a loop, but you know, sometimes you just gotta, you gotta go with your heart when you're betting, I guess, which I, I don't actually recommend for any of your listeners. It's a great way to lose money. Well, come on, join me on the dark side. I cannot wait to lose a ton of money in these playoffs. Actually, I've been doing quite well because I bet mm-hmm. on Philly in the round robin yeah. and they were an underdog in every single game. So I'm up and riding high. And I think I indicated that I didn't want to overreact to the round robin and the play in, but I, I feel like I have, I went full on draft day, uh, Vontae Mack, no matter what. And I had Philadelphia, like I gotta have them. I gotta have them. That's they They were, debatable as a uh, as a top two team for me but that's that's where I pegged them after uh, after I saw Hedman go down so uh, I definitely feel like I could look foolish here with the with some of the matchups that they could be facing especially round one they're 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 going up against a a hot Canadians team uh, where they might be outmatched uh, in the coaching department, but uh, otherwise I- I'm really happy with the stabs that I took. Colorado was my number one team. Very happy to get them. I think we all got the number one team on our lists. So that, uh, that is really going to test what our convictions were. Um, Chris, do you have anything you would like to plug before we jet? Um, you know, one thing is always like, like I've said to people, I'll, I'll make this simple. Just follow me on Twitter at, at Chris Fossil DFS. There'll be some more things to come. Eventually we are going to try and as crazy as this sounds, we are going to try a fantasy, fantasy hockey version of the national women's hockey league, uh, come, come December, which should be, uh, crazy and interesting and all, all sorts of uh, full-on chaos so um, you'll want to check that out as we 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 approach uh, the later parts of the fall and enjoy some turkey i'm very excited that you mentioned the the fantasy hockey for the national women's hockey league my stance on women's hockey i, I don't know that it's necessarily for me but anytime it's on in the olympics i'm super excited to get patriotic and watch Canada butt up against the United States. But in terms of the professional hockey league, I think that it's one of those, if you build it, they will come type situations. Like certainly it's proven that there is a market for it that, uh, that both genders participate in. So rather than, I always get frustrated when I see people on Twitter, ah, like, like my sport, support my league. No, just, just cover it. That's, that's all that you need to do. Just, just cover it cover. and you'll generate interest. Not like, why aren't we doing more to support this? Just do the work of supporting it. And, and that will be what actually generates it rather than complaining about how it's not getting it. Do the work. If you really believe in it, do the work. And it looks like you're doing it. And that's, that's wonderful. 
Yeah, that's awesome, Chris. I'll say I, I've never watched a women's hockey game that I, I didn't, you know, particularly enjoy uh, on the same, you know, especially during the Olympics. Pretty sure that that uh, Canada U.S. women's one in 2014 still might be my game of the decade. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> And for Chris, the game of the decade was, of course, the 2018 version of that. Naturally. I mean, you know, there's always there's a yin and there is definitely a yang. It's nice for you guys to break through. It keeps the rivalry going, you know. It doesn't, you don't want it to just be one-sided. Exactly. Right on. And Mr. Canuck, do you have anything that you would like to plug before we chat? Uh, follow me on Twitter. Uh, most of my tweets are, are not stupid, although you'll, you'll find the occasional one. Um, I write uh, at Pension Plan Puppets um, when the mood strikes me, mostly about uh, CBA stuff, draft ideas, uh, things that make small market team fans get really mad at me. Uh, and, and I will continue to do so, uh, despite their voices. Well, Unlike you, my Twitter feed is lots of stupid stuff. So <laughs> there's that. Um, once again, thank you guys so much for coming on. This was fantastic. I can't wait to find out which one of us looks smart and which one of us looks dumb. Maybe it will be all of us. Well, we're going to know how dumb mine looks in uh, in about 10 hours. So I'm going to go uh, be nervous for the next six all right, everyone, that is our show. Stick tap to you for tuning in. Stick tap to Chris Boissel for coming on the pod, as well as Kung Fu Canuck for coming on the pod. Those guys were fantastic. I thought this was a wonderful episode, and I'm really appreciative to those fellas for coming on and sharing their thoughts and engaging in this process with me. If you like the podcast, please like, subscribe, review, and share wherever you get your podcasts. That would really help us out a lot. And y'all have a good one.